This is Nerd Podcast Radio, brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash nerdpodcastradio. Check out and support us on Patreon for tons of content, including a bonus episode for each episode. If you'd like to reach out to us, the best way to do that is our Nerd Podcast Radio Facebook page, where we share all sorts of nerdy stuff. You can also find us on Instagram, at Nerd Podcast Radio, and on Twitter, at Nerdcast Radio. Don't forget to review us on iTunes or whatever podcast provider you use. Reviews are important as they help our podcast grow. Thanks for listening, everyone. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Nerd Podcast Radio, your nerd home away from home. Welcome to Nerd Podcast Radio. I'm your host, Super Vegan Brian, and I am joined by David Theobald the Third. Hey, everybody. Otherwise known as David Theobald the Third. Yes. And um, uh, and we are joined by a special guest, two episodes in a row, veteran game designer Mike Myler. Hello, I'm a veteran of game design, not a veteran of of being of war and stuff. Just to clarify, I, okay, I don't know if ever, it, people ever think that, but like I, I don't think anybody that I know of has ever thought that. But okay, <laughs> I, I I think that would be like a veteran who's also a game designer. Yeah, okay. there, there are well, different ways of saying that. All right, I don't know. I know this, there's an awful lot of uh, awful lot of soldiers and like service people who play uh, tabletop RPGs. Although Let's, I guess they're they're a smaller part of the pie than before. But like like five years ago, it was like 25% of people I found at cons and stuff were all like vets. And I'm like, oh, I got a better idea. Let me redo the intro. Oh. And a very special guest, Dalton Zoltan Sultan. And a very special guest, Sultan Duke Archduke Mike Myler. <laughs> I will, I'm, I'm actually the regent at EN Publishing. Because we, we got into a conversation the other month and it was like, so what is your job, Mike? What is, what is your title? And I was like, uh regent and everybody laughs but like yes my lord stop me and so now i've just been saying it i know at least one person put it on a job application referencing me so i'm officially a regent although i don't know what i, I hope I, I i hope your business card starts with lord <laughs> does no. that mean that the head of ian world is like 12 and you're just taking over until they grow up Oh no, Russ is definitely not twelve, and I would, I would never suggest such a thing. The regent, power behind the throne. Um, yeah, no, I'm just in case he gets incapacitated. I think I'm supposed to 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 man the throne while he's gone. Oh, so he'd be the vice regent. Yeah, I don't know. I do I major domo stuff. I, yeah. I don't know. It's not super clearly defined. All right, what what actually is a viceroy? Did I say viceroy? No, I, I just no. thought I, I went vice vice uh, uh, regent, and I was like, no, wait, what, what's actually a viceroy? I did know that at one point for game research. Mm, it doesn't surprise me. I should know this. I just I don't. don't. Uh, the ruler of a colony exercising power on behalf of a sovereign. Ah. Or well, a migratory anyway. orange and black butterfly that closely resembles the monarch, but is typically somewhat smaller. Ah, oh, perfect. There you go. Oh, the man, that's what they're probably going to go with the Venture Brothers. There's going to be a Viceroy at some point. Yeah, I'm sure there was. Oh. Well... We are here this morning to complete our second part of our three-part event about ability scores in role-playing games. 
Um, and we are talking about mental ability scores this week. But first... But first, we're going to play everybody's favorite game, What's Nerdy With You, where we talk about the nerdy things we did in the last couple of weeks, and then we vote on them using Mike Myler's patented widget system. Widgets. As the man himself is here, we have no need to explain further. Brian, what's nerdy with... I'm sorry, guest goes first. Mike, what's nerdy with you? Uh, I made the unfortunate mistake of buying Pathfinder Wrath of the Righteous, which I should have waited to do until I was done with level up because i don't have time to play it and i have been forcing time into my schedule to play it um last night at like one in the morning i defeated a dragon so that was cool. <laughs> i don't know i've any of it yet brian I don't oh know god that's funny. i i got up at 3 30 this morning to play it yeah how far are you <laughs> Um, I don't like the mass combat system and have scrapped. Oh, you know what? I've I've really enjoyed it. I couldn't get into the kingdom stuff in Kingmaker. I played the shit out of Kingmaker, but I couldn't get into the kingdom stuff. And the crusade thing when they threw in this little like baby chess shit, like oh yes, it reminds me of Heroes of Might and Magic, like way back in the day, like the old Heroes of Might. Yeah, and Magic yeah, mass like like combat. when it was like you know on DOS screens and shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, I liked virtual battle chess and stuff like that. I played those games where you shot lasers and off mirrors to hit Look, somebody's the, bishop. The, the key to winning any mass combat system is overwhelming numbers. It's not that hard. Actually, that is that is exactly true. Yeah. <laughs> that's, Especially that's, Pathfinder mass combat. It's it's like, any any mass combat generally, overwhelming numbers is the one surefire way to win. <laughs> so I have I'm I'm currently in the Mongrel Warrens under Canabras again. Oh, okay. You're still I, right. I have completely started over. I had gotten to um the Siege of um what is it, Devron? Devon. Devon. Drevin. 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 Yeah, like and I gave up because I I was doing really really crappy in mass combat because I wasn't taking it seriously, and then I couldn't really like go back because I didn't like do a maiden save at the beginning. So then I scrapped it, and then I I started with a different character, and that character was highly ineffective, and I ended up scrapping and going back to the beginning. So now, dude, I am... in the Crusader camp, if you talk to the Pathfinder guy, you can get a free retraining, like complete character build. Oh, yeah. well, I didn't do that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Like shit. Well, I mean, you the, get one. The more one. you know. No, it's yeah. sad. I knew that because I went through as a kineticist, and, and I bought an alchemist and a monk. And the monk is worthless until like tenth level because they're always fighting demons and stuff. And the alchemist, forget it, because it's all fire damage. So, like, if you have the witch, you get one round where your lightning kineticist main character, because of course, Mike, uh, and your alchemist that you bought for lots of money can actually do their stuff, and then like you rely on the rest of the party. So I had a l- hard time slogging through until I got the retrain, and then I was like because like oh my god the animal companion forget it forget it the war horse was already so good but oh yeah the ranger is the power class in this one but um i i i did um alduri sword fighter at the beginning and then i did the um a paladin that i didn't like and now i'm doing a half elf master of all rogue okay the rogue can be fun unfortunately the rogue companion uh i don't want to spoil stuff for you i want to say i'm already like past the siege of dresden and um where am i now now i'm just kind of going around and i found and killed the dragon which is a bit of a thing i don't want to ruin that for you it's a good fight it was good good setup um and I'm like level 10 or 11 or something like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I had gotten all the way up to 7 at the siege. I can't remember what it was at the siege. So, uh, that sounds right. Although a weird thing happened. So, like, at the end of the siege, did you finish the siege? Did you get to the boss fight? And, I like, did not. Okay. 
I got bugged out on the boss fight. So um, because I like didn't realize one character was wandering up towards an area, the rest of the party was going to sell stuff and take a rest. Uh, and then it started the cutscene. And then the boss was stuck on the other side of a door uh, with my horse. Oh, no. And the rest of my party was over here. Well, no, it was great because he couldn't do anything to me. And I just like pinged him. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty good. So, well, yeah, I've been cool. uh, fucking obsessing and jamming that down my throat. Um, sounds like you have also been doing that. But are you doing anything else nerdy this week? Or? Uh, um, well, it's David's turn. And then I'll oh. go. All right. David, have you been playing Pathfinder Rise of the Right Nope. Uh, oh. I went to uh, Gateway, which was Strategicon uh, over, um, over Labor Day weekend at the LAX Hilton, which was the first convention I've gotten to go to in about 18 months, and it was glorious. It was, uh, attendance was a bit low. I mean, there were about a third of the people that were normally there, but it was nice to see the people I got to see again. Uh, unfortunately, the Pathfinder Society had zero presence. Uh, Adventures League had a very, very small presence. I went there to play miniatures, so... <laughs> <laughs> got to scratch that that particular itch that was nice <laughs> how did your campaign go oh we had so much fun um on saturday i played a world war ii game uh 15 millimeter the uh, rule set we we're using it's called bolt action and uh, we were that's doing... uh uh david kwan right i i couldn't tell you probably awesome. I, I don't know i might be missing up. i have no idea i i don't even have a copy of the rules with me i could check i i mean i'd have to google it <laughs> was it good oh it was great i love that awesome. game um yeah we did a scenario uh france 44 uh after d-day the british were racing to go uh relieve their uh airborne tr- their their ra- ranger troops but the germans are in the way so uh the germans however were able to halt the british advance and won a tactical victory uh the german losses were pretty high but uh, a desperate counterattack against the uh exposed uh allied hq caused the uh british to halt their advance and turn around and start marching back <laughs> that was fun uh i was i was playing on the german side of that and then on sunday i played a 28 millimeter um war against king george the game system is called uh, the king's men and rebels uh written uh, co-written by a couple of friends of mine um dan um what is his last name uh, Munson, Dan Munson, and uh, I think Andy. I don't know his last name, but uh, yeah, there's a, there's a miniatures club out here. I'm a member of. It's kind of it's kind of fun. We do a lot of Civil War stuff. We do a lot of uh, War Against King George. Bolt action is Alessio Cavatore and Rick Priestley. Okay, yeah, I was thinking of Ross Rifles. Yeah, um, we have homebrewed it a little bit because some of the rules don't make sense. <laughs> But we all have standardized sets that we play by, so it's but yeah, it's fun. We're uh, with the social distancing and masking and stuff. Or stuff uh, outside, yeah, we or? had uh, we had to prove vaccination to get in or negative COVID test within a week, and uh, and able to get in to get your badge, and then uh, lines and stuff were separated, and masks were on required at all times. But yeah, the not place, too bad. One of the local cards was like, "Hey, do you want to come do stuff?" And I was like, "What are you doing for COVID?" They were like, uh, "And I was like, oh, okay, no, <laughs> right, yeah." yeah we had we had to have masks on it was fine i didn't know it was a little hard to hear each other sometimes over the din but yeah. uh yeah, otherwise it's fun din, yeah. yeah well luckily i've got a voice for theater and you can hear me across the room mm-hmm. so, but after a couple of days of that my throat was a little raw for a couple of days but that's that's usual i wasn't i didn't yeah. consider that to be anything out of the ordinary be interested to see if you get a con sickness been wondering if con sickness will be affected by the measures or not i would hope oh so. i'm sure i'm sure con crud will get eradicated greatly because yeah. you know no one was really shaking hands no one was coughing on each other <laughs> well gen con was just this last week so we'll know in the next couple weeks right yeah 
All right, so that that was my nerdy thing, uh, Brian. Uh, aside from Pathfinder First Ed, uh, what 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 was nerdy with you? Well, um, my uncle is here in town, and we did all sorts of stuff. Um, the one that you already know about, David, is we went for a ride on a steam train. You should have posted was, about that on Facebook. It was more. I I don't post anything until after the podcast now because so many of the listeners follow me on facebook so i um ah spoilers um but we did that um i also took lots of pictures which is my big nerdy thing i got some great photos of the steam train um it it was a a 30 minute ride round trip well 30 an hour it was a 90-minute experience, but it's 30 minutes from Garibaldi, Oregon to um, Rockaway Beach, Oregon. And then you're in the beach town for 30 minutes, and then you go back. And it's not a loop. It's just backwards train. Mm-hmm. Fun. Yeah. Um, so many people on the train were like, are we going to loop around? I'm like, and my uncle, who's like the big train nerd, like model trains and everything, was like, mm-hmm. no, it goes backwards. And they were like, it goes backwards. Like, that's a big deal. Um but it was all definitely, trains go backwards. It was definitely a steam train, and they blow the whistle when it's time to get back on the train, which I thought was kind of cool. That is, um, that is kind of awesome. We um, other things I got to do an Oregon thing that I've never done before. I went to the Portland Japanese Garden, which was a million times better than I ever expected. It's like huge and super peaceful with little paths and all sorts of little nooks nooks to just chill and meditate and Zen gardens and um, ridiculously expensive gift shops. <laughs> As most of them are nowadays. I got, I got stuff. I got artwork. Um, nice. um, I got these little tea cups that have um, um, the Japanese words for sushi with pictures. Um, I got Heather. I don't know what they're called. The little lucky cat that waves. Oh, uh, the deco cat. Yeah, yeah, I got her a fan that has the cat on it. That's cute. But yeah, it's yeah, it it was it was awesome. It it's it's internationally re- renowned. It people come from Japan to see it because while it's an American Japanese garden, it's also in the Portland wilderness, so it's a really cool thing to go see. Yeah. Um, other than that, yeah, Pathfinder: Wrath the Righteous. I. I I don't fathom why the reviews have been so good about the mass combat. I don't like it. I like the game. I like it better than I liked Kingmaker, but I did perhaps, like the per, kingdom building in Kingmaker. Perhaps the people writing the reviews haven't played the old games where the mass combat system resembles. Yeah, maybe. I, You know, I, I kept on playing it. I'm like, this is like the crappy version of Might and Magic. I, I was like, oh, Which wow. is, memory serves, well, is I mean, from the late 80s. So. You just set the uh, fighting campaign on auto i think like with kingdom because i had to do that with the kingdom maker settlement thingy because i got to a point where it's like you're gonna lose no matter what you do i was like okay i didn't do that because the king when when i originally played Kingmaker, the auto system for kingdom building broke the game mm. i think they've since patched that but yes. i was worried that it would break the game because the game's so new no i don't know maybe i know i've been noticing fixes to the to the system uh, between like uh, when I loaded up. Yeah, the big fix was um, if you're playing a ranged combat person, it would just change targets randomly, and they fixed that. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I did not run into that. That would have pissed me off immensely. Um, 
I did want to mention uh, the meme about railroad tracks. Have you guys seen the railroad track meme? No. Oh, do you know why railroad tracks are the width that they are? Oh, no. that one. Yes, I've seen it. It's a good one. It's a good yeah, one. So uh, they are the width that they are because uh, roads in Britain are that width. And they were that width because like, if you didn't have them width to a certain size, your wagon wheels would constantly break. And that was because the roads were built by Romans who like predominantly were there. They had the roads for war chariots. So they had to be a bit wide enough for war chariots, which is wide enough for like two horses asses, which is like the, the joke about bureaucracy. Like we have, oh, and, and, and all this matters because like when we sent up a rocket into space the first time or i don't know one, one of the times they wanted to make the boosters so large but they couldn't because it had to go through a railroad tunnel that was only mm-hmm. big enough for two horses asses because of ancient rome wow yeah, yeah. so yeah a- a- ancient bureaucracy is all about horses asses <laughs> yeah that was a fun one it I, was a really good it was I a bit of a read, away. but it was a really good meme. yeah yeah so um on to voting oh uh, yes um mike who has designed our voting system you have four widgets where do they you go know, he knows. <laughs> I mean, Steam Train's pretty nerdy, so I'll give you one for that. Miniatures of Con. Uh, hmm. There's an extra level of risk involved for the con, so I'm gonna give you two for that. And I'm gonna award one to myself because I, I yeah, awesome. so much. And David, uh, I am going to give each of you two because I'm gonna be democratic. Three, three, and two. Brown. I'm. Editing, entering this in a spreadsheet and it's clunky. Um, I am going to give. Oh, I accidentally gave the two you gave me to yourself. I am not a terrible person, Brad. Why? How dare you? That is slander. <laughs> slander. So Mike has three and I have three. Um, David, I'm gonna reward you for risking your life to have fun. So I'm fully. I've been fully vaccinated since like. April. I'm gonna it's reward you a risk for risking any. other people's lives to have fun. <laughs> I kept so, my mask on the entire time. I'm not selfish. I'm not so, stupid. <laughs> you win. Yay! Awesome. I love and, going to. I, I so miss the cons. I can't wait for the next one. And in the first President's time Day. in the history of Nerd Podcast Radio, COVID loses what's nerdy with you. COVID, COVID gets my negative week. widget. COVID, COVID gets my negative widget. COVID gets all the negative widgets. Yeah. Oh no! The negative wi- the widgets now have COVID. <laughs> That's not okay. They're anti widgets. The widget variant. Mm. We'll we'll, <laughs> we'll send them we'll send them to the um to the other dimension where Trump is still president. Um. Oh, was that way too political? That got really- no. I just I just uh don't like I hearing the word at this point. I didn't want to get more political, so I didn't say anything. <laughs> Let's refer to uh, Cheeto Jesus. Is how I go about it. Wow. Everybody's been so good about not being political on the podcast. I so mean, of course, the person who wrote the rules breaks them more than anybody else. Yeah. Now, I mean, I mean, your, yours isn't bad, Mike. I pretty much just call him traitor. But you know, rich trees. Oh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. It only takes one. It'll only take one. <laughs> and then everybody else will fall in line because they don't want that to happen to them. I don't, I don't think it'll be taking one. I think it'll take a couple. But still, yeah. well, speaking of segues, we're talking about mental ability scores this week. <laughs> All right. Well, um, there are the three traditional ones, which are intelligence, wisdom, and charisma. Uh, but there are also other mental ability scores, depending on what game system you're looking at. Um, Cthulhu um, famously and somewhat derisively uses insanity and oh, yeah. sanity scores. Sanity is sanity is the one stat you need in that game. <laughs> I mean, it's it's you, it depends on what versions and, and who you're who you're playing well, with. But you're I'm, not really supposed to win in Cthulhu. I was gonna say, I'm like, of how the firm, long can we go? I'm of the firm opinion of the only way to win. Call of Cthulhu is to not play Call of Cthulhu. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. 
it's a game of um heavy attrition um it's a game of dark things for people that like dark things that does not ever end well <laughs> there are lots of games that have willpower instead of oh, yeah. wisdom and, willpower uh, yeah resolve uh, for marvel ga- i think games that use a, a stress system mm-hmm. stress yeah so the, it, it's it it runs i think a wider gamut than uh, physical ability scores do in game design mm. they're also kind of harder to quantify sometimes too what exactly yeah. is charisma yeah charisma <laughs> how do you define charisma the the idea of charisma <laughs> as um, your personal like energy always seemed weird to me. The whole sorcerers use charisma. They have their personal presence, their presence of person. Yeah. See, I, I, I've always considered it more of just your general likability. It, how, 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 how big of a douchebag are you? <laughs> you know, I see alternate ability score systems where they do things like they split dexterity into agility and dexterity. Mm. And I could see the same thing done for charisma where you could have charisma which is like for like persuasion and and bluff and stuff like that and then you could break it out into confidence yeah a confidence would be a great score to have in D&D or Pathfinder or any game like that yeah but you know then you're getting into the whole the character is more confident than the player yeah charisma is kind of a kind of a catch-all right how many dots did you put into persuasion intelligence <laughs> is very obvious what intelligence is wisdom is pretty obvious too right although i've been i was thinking about wisdom the other day and like um our brains don't finish developing until uh minimum age 28 like uh you can't do critical long-term thinking you can you think you can like you can imagine briefly but you can't really it's just a something you can't grasp because your brain hasn't developed um what is it I think it's part of your hypothalamus. So, like, the concept of a young, wise person is horribly misleading. <laughs> it's like, I don't think you literally, I literally am not sure you biologically have the parts for that until after, well after what we deem maturity. I mean, I knew I, I knew that uh, from a young age that the wise man would say never pay full price for late pizza. Yeah, so they had a whole thing here for uh, in Pittsburgh. A station called WDV had just like a long, long running promo of like, uh, I think it was Confucius Say Jokes. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Those are almost as bad as uh, Chuck Norris, the Chuck Norris gag. Oh, you know, actually, another good example is you guys know the sunscreen song? Yeah. Yeah, wear sunscreen. Yeah. And which, like was the first of, line... which was based off of an actual uh, uh, farewell speech at a graduation by a principal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's two versions of it. One of it is, uh, what's that guy? Uh, Kirk Douglas or Michael Douglas? No, Kirk Douglas. And then the other one, no, I can't remember the guy. Any, anyway, anyway, one of, the, one of the first lines is like, um, appreciate the the power and beauty of your youth. Or no, yeah, yeah, the power of beauty of your youth. And you know, never mind. Uh, in 20 years from now, you're going to look back and realize that like there was so much potential before you and you looked so much better than you ever thought you did. And it's true. Like it, and it's, it's not because of any in- inefficiency in your brain or anything like that it's just like you literally just don't have the power to grasp it in in the same mental capacity that you will when you're old and um that's just something that never got to me like when i was a kid because i was pretty pretty sharp and um yeah people like oh wisdom becomes later i'm like what the fuck are you talking about wisdom comes later i know what right and wrong is you dumb ass blah 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 but like no really it, it does just come later it's a thing that just uh happens well, the other in your part brain. That, yeah, the other part that helps that, that helps uh uh curate that is just experience in general sure the more yeah, that stuff, definitely the more stuff big... you experience the more you learn about the world and figure out what to expect and you know it's yeah, it's a it's a it's a synthesis of processes that mm-hmm. emerged over hundreds and thousands of years. It's very subtle and <laughs> hard mm-hmm. to hard to really quantify and explain. Oh yeah. Um, 
but yeah, man, age just just does that to you. So that, yeah, yeah, I think there should be bigger penalties to your ability scores if you decide to play a young character than you usually get. It's like, oh, you get a minus one in this. And this well, one. if you're playing with the, uh, if you're playing at least uh, Pathfinder or three five with the uh, the supplemental rules, if you're playing an old or venerable character, you actually get increases to your wisdom modifier. Yeah, yeah, the venerable. I think it's I think it stops at plus one plus one after you get old, and then the physicals keep going up. To, like uh, eventually down, minus three. Yeah, yeah down, physicals down. go down. Down, the the mentals go up. Oh, do the mentals still go up? Okay, I believe so. Yeah, it, at the end, right, like if you're like playing a hundred and fifty year old human at the very end of life, yeah, you get like a plus three, minus three. Oh, One thing I liked about Pathfinder First Edition: some of the early adventure paths that had iconics in the back actually gave um, Ezra and the Wizard the um, he, they gave him the age adjustments. The Muscle Wizard. Oh, yeah, <laughs> old Brian Macklin joke. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. When they made a mythic and they gave him all the muscles, the muscles. Uh, I went and totally off top topic, but Pathfinder related. I played a game once where um, we had a, it was an organized play game. We had this guy I'd never played before and he was playing Ezrin and he, he um, had found a dagger while we were playing and he had the staff in one hand and the dagger in the other. And a monster came up and he goes, I attack him with both. And the GM is like, are you sure you want to? It's like huge penalties for doing this two weapon. And the guy rolled two nat 20s. Wow. Wonderful. Down the crap out of this monster. And we call we, we, Ezra and the Battle Wizard for the rest of the game. Nice. That's we did, great. After our like big, huge 3-5 campaign in high school, which went on like years and years and years. It's like a three-year game. We played good characters and evil characters and fought our evil characters to good characters and whatever. It's awesome. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, afterwards, you, there's like the Harry Potter craze and the guy running the game. So who's this like super goth dude. It's like, oh, I really want to do like a Wizard Academy campaign pain and like the rest of the group was into it except for me and the other really good D player jp he worked oh. at a hobby shop he's a fantastic guy mm-hmm. uh jp was playing smastrick the goblin who you might remember from Varanthia codex he is a god there uh he's the goblin with like all the gold shit on him in the oh books. okay uh anyway so this game he was like okay well i'm gonna play a dude who's like supposed to become a wizard but like hates it and is just trying to become a fighter so i've got a mercurial great sword <laughs> and like all the feats for it and like i don't know anything about spells but he's sending me to school and i'm like cool i'm gonna play the goth wizard so i'm gonna be the necromancer and a bunch of wonderful things happened in this game mostly oh because God. of our two characters who were just not the harry potter characters that sounds amazing one. holy shit at one point we're in this fight against like this were rat that we're like clearly it was supposed to be we are supposed to lose this fight. you are supposed to lose here and then i have plans for you afterwards yeah but you that have muscles you walked over and you punched it a bunch right he walked over and like power attacked huge penalties with mercurial great swords which which were insane for criticals and then just like yeah not 20 not 20 oh my god just wrecked the were rat like right there through all the damage reduction and everything just like split it in half <laughs> and it was like magic <laughs> cast <laughs> sword yeah <laughs> yeah that's all, one of my favorite uh, one of my favorite uh, old memes was uh, the picture of Gandalf with an AK-47 so sometimes <laughs> wizards run out of spells <laughs> one of the favorite comments I get often for uh, the epic um I think it's Merlin. Yeah, Epic Merlin is that he's got uh, guns he can summon, just like nice. gun turrets. Because I'm like, hold on, this guy can go through time, and he's like a master wizard. And you're telling me he doesn't have any guns? Like, not even some just backup <laughs> guns, like uh, self shooting guns, like no guns at all. Like, I don't buy this at all. Yeah, uh, there's a the American dad joke uh, uh, about karate and magic. Like, guns beat karate and magic every time. <laughs> 
So that's that, that brings up an interesting thing for uh, mental ability scores. They're often like the, the purvey of crafting anything when you're playing a, mm. a resource-based game that's D20. It's always going to be an int check, maybe a wisdom check, almost yeah. never a charisma check. They're also generally uh, relegated to how well you know the area you're playing in. Your situational <laughs> awareness, as it were. Uh, you're, a lot, most of your knowledges in general are all intelligence-based. All your ability to investigate stuff. Yeah. Can be wisdom or intelligence or or some derivation your, thereof. Your ability to look around and see what's going on is usually wisdom based. I can Wh- really wisdom based is wisdom is also the basis for will for will will saves. <laughs> it's it's the second most important stat or the second most important stat after dexterity. And I, I would I would say that it's um. Like the mental ability scores represent a lot of your agency in mm. in most games if you're not on a combat grid or in the middle of combat. I think right. charisma is the best score in the game. Most useful. If you're a diplomancer, yes. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. the kind of character I usually play. It's mm. it, I, I have never run into a GM that doesn't let you get, get away with crazy shit with charisma. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely the role player friendly trait. Mm. I'll say that. 100%. Um and it's useful in combat and especially in Pathfinder. I used to get up some fun stuff with intelligence and crafting. Like we made a battle wagon at one point. Nice. It intelligence was. is a good. great score for people who plan and take advantage of downtime. It yeah, really when I was playing is. George the Wizard, he was a planner and that was his whole thing. He was like I construct and build and plan and like what are you guys doing? No, we're not running into that. Hold on. Like <laughs> let's, let's talk it out. Like uh what one of my favorite characters I've gotten to play Play lately was a in a uh, Pathfinder first ed game we were doing uh oh shit what's the adventure uh Iron Gods we were playing Iron Gods the adventure path and I was playing a paladin who uh, the, by the, the definitely not Necrons uh, definitely yeah totally not the, the definitely uh, not Necrons right yeah uh, I was playing an uh, <laughs> an asymmetric paladin named Stephanie who uh, was platinum blonde had golden eyes and completely convinced that she was human because she had a seven intelligence and an eight wisdom. Well, she didn't know she wasn't human because she was oh, that yeah, dumb. dude. One of my like, favorite characters ever. No, right? it, it was amazing because by the end of it, those stats never got raised. Mm-hmm. So she still had a seven and an eight, but her charisma ended up at like a 26. So <laughs> yeah, I literally, she, she literally walked up to the to a the front of the fortress we were trying to break into, knocked on the door and said, Hi, can we come in? And they were like, Yeah, and opened the door. <laughs> I have a question about the Asimar who believes that they're human. Yeah. Did they ever use Halo? Uh, no, she didn't know how. Oh, okay. Uh, she didn't know how. It was I. I played it that way. It was like, no, she's she's too dumb. She wouldn't know how to do it. Before uh, my friend Dylan moved away in high school, we did a insane like thirty-six hour game. Yeah. Like no break. And uh, he played Alon the Ranger. <laughs> he just he just dumped as much away from his intelligence as possible. Mm. So like the extent of his his vocabulary was like, I'm Alon the Ranger. I range. Dylan <laughs> <laughs> uh, just uh, like killed it with his character for like hours oh, and great. hours. Uh, yeah, so that can be uh, a fun um a fun tack uh, too. Like um it can be fun to play a dumb character. Uh, another another side note about that story. Another character in the party was playing a uh, vigilante who had a persona. Uh, the Asimir was so dumb she didn't know they weren't the same person. Mm-hmm. So it was constantly of the uh, constantly of oh hey where did you come from? 
Oh, well, you just missed him. He'll be back. Uh, wait a few minutes. He wants some. <laughs> hey, where did <laughs> you've got to meet my friend? Oh, it was, yeah, it was constantly. And everyone else was just constantly face palming and laughing with she was completely oblivious. It's one of the discussion points we didn't really run into when we were talking about physical ability scores, because dumping physical ability scores isn't usually very fun. But dumping mental ability scores is probably always fun. Whether it can it be. be. It depends on well, charisma. I mean, dumping almost, physical stats can be fun, too, the way you have to play it. So so part of it is that you are losing agency when you jump your, meta, your, your mental stats, right? Yeah. So in, in 5e, there's almost no consequence. Like, you will pretty much always fall for illusions, but you're going to run into them so infrequently, forget it. And other people will be able to hit their investigation scores. In Pathfinder and earlier D20 derivatives, it means that you get less skills, which mm-hmm. is a problem, right? Because mm-hmm. that's that, that yeah, is if you, where... if you dump in, you're getting one or two skill points a level instead of the five or six you should be. Exactly. And, so there's uh, like one thing you might be really good at. Yeah, that's that's why whenever I play a rogue, I always play a high int rogue because mm-hmm. I, I want to have 12 skill points a level because that means I can do everything. <laughs> That's the rogue's role in the in the game is to have skill points. Yeah, uh, uh, you know, jack of all trades, master of none. <laughs> One of my personal pet peeves is players who dump mental stats and don't role play it at all. Oh God, yeah. It's like, why is the dumb barbarian able to think his way through puzzles? Yeah, you bring why, that shit why, up a lot. why is the person with the eight charisma being the face and talking to your NPCs? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, give me a diplomacy roll. No, no, you give me a diplomacy. You're the one doing the talking. Oh, but I'm not. I well, had a guy who guess did that what? And refused to put any stuff into his diplomacy and everything. It was persuasion, and he still kept killing it. And so they just kept killing him go. And I was like, all right, well, you know, Rafe, you're killing it, buddy. Like, yeah, you're the diplomat, wow. I guess. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody else shared their dump characters. I want to share mine. Mm. I played a. Um, I don't remember the name of the ethnicity. It's the basically the Mongolian ethnicity from um, Pathfinder. Um, I believe it's Han La. I believe uh, so, yes. I played a character who was part of a raiding party who um, had got a serious head injury and was abandoned. Mm. And he was found by a ranger who was played by a friend of mine. And this was Gulak. Gulak was basically like, what do we do, boss? All the time. He only did what he was told to do. He didn't do anything else. And he did it exactly. And if there was anything to fight, he attacked it. If there was a door, he smashed it. And when I played this character with people, organized play character, obviously, mm-hmm. I always had a little speech before that said, this character is going to be dumb and impulsive. I don't want to ruin anyone's fun. So if I go to do anything just and you don't like it, just say stop and the character will because he follows instructions. So we had a um, we had a situation where he was going to break a door and they were like, no, Gulak, no. And he's like, okay, big Earthbreaker hammer character. Nice. And we were on a dock, and Gulak thought he was going to be really intelligent and smash the dock underneath the enemies. And I said I was going to do it. Everybody looked at each other and went, all right, yeah, sounds oh, good. Oh, God. And I smashed the dock. And everybody fell because the entire thing collapsed in. And it was one of the best (laughs) things that has ever happened. (laughs) All the enemies died. We did not because there were people in the group that could swim. But the entire encounter turned into saving everybody. Oh, my God. That's funny. I forgot about my barbarian. So Mm. in one last games I played with that high school GM who I occasionally hire and stuff now. uh, But this is like, I think it was 
was D and D next actually. It's like playtest. Okay. And uh, there was one character in the party who had a feud with my barbarian, and I I told him like, if you do this one stupid thing you keep doing again and again, if you do it again, I'm gonna make you an inch shorter, maybe several inches shorter. And like, you know, the implication <laughs> was I will hit you with my hammer. So then we're like standing on this like runic circle inside of a volcano. Oh no. <laughs> and, and he did what I can't even remember what it was. But he, and I was like, fine, all right. Well, I mean, I hit the floor and make him shorter. And the gym was like, you're standing on this bit. I was like, I, 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 I know, I'm aware of this. And yeah, I critted on the floor. Oh Jesus! Uh, only two two of the party survived because it awakened this dragon. And yeah, yeah, <laughs> I failed the fear save and I think fell to my death. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And, but nobody was dissatisfied because they were like, you know, he told you. As you say, it's one. <laughs> it's one of those. It's one of those. I told you I'd shoot, but you didn't believe me. Exactly. Why didn't you believe me exactly <laughs> god i completely forgot about that, oh, that moving moving on to optimization mm-hmm. i i had made a character for pathfinder organized play that was taking advantage of a very broken feat they came out with this asmodean dipl- diplomat car- feat that lets you use intelligence for oh, instead of charisma yeah they completely diplomacy. broke it so they made wizards ungo- you could dig a wizard and just do stupid shit so <laughs> i stacked everything i did the enchanter with the with the um the raven familiar or pick up a level of alchemist for the music in the cognition i did i i i tried to get it i i could i could get a 27 on a one at first level oh my god it was nuts um oh my god that's dumb so we play and since it's an intel a wisdom care since it's a wizard and an intelligence character lots of skills so we played this one scenario that was haunt based and it was all ghosts and haunts which can lead to a lot of role-playing and we I diplomanced every single encounter. The GM started to panic because he was like, we're going to get through this whole thing without combat. And he tried to... Instead of just asking me, he tried to um, sideline my character by doing this, like, kludgy initiative thing where he was oh, like, geez. we're not going to do initiative. We're just going to go around the table. And um, I talked to him and I was like, why aren't you letting this happen? He's like, well, I'm afraid we're not going to have combat and the new players aren't going to have fun. And I said, why don't you ask him? And so he asked the new player. He's like, this doesn't normally happen. Normally, we actually have combat in this game. Do you care? He's like, this is the most fun I've ever had. Let's keep going. <laughs> so we made That's it awesome. through an entire organized play adventure without any combat because there are a couple you could do that in but not a lot of them i don't it was a season seven i don't know which one but it was haunt based and yeah it was uh it was absalom puddles okay yeah that was right after the occult book came out wasn't it i think so yeah they were trying to take advantage they were trying to write stuff to specifically include the stuff from the occult book and they specifically wrote in that you could role play with the haunts yeah so So it was just, it was a diplomancer's wet dream. It was just fantastic. Well, I think you were supposed to be a spiritualist or one of the ones that can, you know, talk to dead or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But the fact that it was a skill monkey character on top of the fact that it was a diplomancer, it was just... No, that's awesome. Holy crap. So it, I love that kind of character. I think charisma breaks the game. I think that it's one of those things that can go over GM's head sometimes and they can get frustrated. Um, and it's like, especially if they're not prepared 
for it. I mean, yeah. uh, sometimes a lot of GMs aren't used to dealing with those kinds of characters because they're not played all that often. Diplomacy it, is the grapple of the mental world. It's yeah, the it thing really that is. can totally break the game if the GM is, and then it's like, well, it's not quite like grapple because grapples there's there, there's always a chance of success at grappling. No, it's it's more it's, it's, it's more of if, a lie. If, it's more of if the GM doesn't know how to play with with the don't yeah, know the rules say, very well. A lot of GMs are better because like well, yeah, you are the end of the impression like oh natural twenty always successful okay. And you like, need a whole minute. You need a whole minute for diplomat. Diplomat. It, yeah. you, you absolutely need a whole minute. And it's it's like um I would always ask the question, do I have a minute to talk? And the GM would go, yep. And I'd go, all right. <laughs> 43. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Ambushes and stuff, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> I think the last time I played that character With was a 43, level. you'd take someone who actively hated you and make them friendly. <laughs> well, my entire goal with the character is I wanted to make the only character I've ever made that could get a 40 on a 1. Oh my god. I mean, I did that with uh, with Saga Edition uh, Star Wars, where the, they made everything I use the force check. And yeah. at level 1, I was getting a plus 20 six to use the force as a adept <laughs> i could pull a star destroyer from space at level one <laughs> the dc for that's only like 35 yeah um intelligence is one of the the fun scores in that you can you can figure stuff out but it you run into these kludgy issues i've never seen a puzzle written for a game that took that would let the players figure it out and use your scores at the same time really well the best i've ever seen was there was a cipher in um one of the pathfinder scenarios that you could roll intelligence checks to get hints yeah, and it would reveal most of the puzzle and make it a lot easier to figure out um was that the one with the giant model it was the one where you're saving the <coughs> chalaxian diplomat oh okay yeah yeah I yeah. can't think of her name right now. It'll pop into my head later, and I'll scream it out in the middle of an. Un- it wasn't the. It wasn't the the countess, was it? It's the the the, the kinky. Yeah, the paracountess. Yeah, yeah, it was her. Yeah, yeah, they they. I have seen that particular scenario run two ways. I've seen it. Here's the puzzle. Have fun, mm-hmm. which I don't think is the fun way to run that. No, it's not. Unless you have players that really like ciphers. Yeah, you really have to know your. Unfortunately for society play, it's a little bit harder to be able to prep for that kind because you don't know what kind of players you're going to get until you're going most of the time. Things I like about puzzles with mental ability scores is give the players a timer, but give them bonus time if they have higher scores yeah um other ways is give them clues like if it's a puzzle you know you can give them a whole bunch of stuff to figure out the puzzle but if they make if they make rolls or they have certain levels of scores you give them more clues than they would have otherwise and if they have lower scores give them less clues than they would get otherwise yeah the only Um, way i can figure to do it otherwise would be like and first of all just from a designer standpoint like the amount of time it takes me to make a puzzle and the amount of time you spend with that puzzle is much worse in ratio than the amount of time it takes me to make a monster and the amount of time you spend fighting that monster, right? So, like, there's just not a ton of incentive to pour your design time into making puzzles. They're fun, and, like, sometimes you just want them, but, like, it's it's a it's, it's a losing battle. Um, and then, so, like, if you were to do it for, like, here, here's the version of it for Intelligence Score 10. Here's the versions for Intelligence Score 12, 14, etc., etc., etc. You could make, like, 
a maze that's really simple if you're intelligence 20 or higher and then just lay on more walls like a template sort of for Ooh. somebody with intelligence 16 14 12 10 8 to where like if you're a six it's basically a, a horror nest rat maze but if you're very interesting at 25 it's a tunnel yeah yeah but like <laughs> okay again, no that's, that's a really good idea but yeah the, the maps and the number of maps that all the transparency money that gets spent and, on that like yeah it's a losing battle so that's why you don't see a ton of puzzles because it's and most yeah. of the puzzles you end up seeing are just like word puzzles right yeah most of them fast, end up easy. being word puzzles yeah. yeah my favorite thing to do a lot of times is especially if they're in a, a scenario with a trap is just start a timer it's like all right yeah. you got five minutes so this is gonna go off go what are you There's gonna do mechanic that uh <laughs> russ morrissey uh over in world put together called countdown dice so at the end of every round, it starts at like a, a D20 or a D6 or D8. You can pick whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And then whenever you roll the highest result, it goes down a step. Oh. So you get a D4 and then like you roll a one, countdown timer has ended. But it gives you a, a fun dice random That timer. is an interesting way of doing that. Yeah. That's, ooh, he that's started good. it with dice pools in, in um, what's old is new. But yeah, it's okay. been simplified for other stuff. No, that's good. I like that. Hmm, I might have to start using that. <laughs> the yeah, worst, no, it's a good the, one. The worst puzzle experience I've ever had um, doesn't have it, it it's very subjective and very situational um we were playing a um society scenario where three people at the table were replaying it <laughs> and so there were two of us who could work on the puzzle and i was oh. at a convention okay. and it was for those that, for those that don't know in pathfinder society play if you are replaying a scenario it is generally uh understood that you are not going to give away the answers to the two things like puzzles and you know yeah. Get a, use express knowledge of what's going to happen. Avoid metagaming. Exactly. It's yeah. generally understood that you're going to do that, and if you don't do that, it really ruins the experience for the people that haven't played it before. Well, in this case, the fact that they were replaying ruined the experience because they couldn't help with the puzzle. Exactly. And it was a math puzzle, which I don't like. <laughs> yeah. Um, this was a poem that talked about prime numbers, and you had to figure out prime numbers based on the poem. Oh, I know this one. I know yeah. you know which one I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah, fuck this puzzle. <laughs> yeah. So um, the other part I was going to say about puzzles is like people's brains and, and thought patterns are structured very different. Mm-hmm. So like I, I had a GM who was, uh, I'll come back to it later. Go on. So the three players that weren't, weren't replaying, one of them was a child. Um, one of them was me who um, had been running games all day and was exhausted. And I don't like math puzzles. I just don't. And the last one was an accountant. <laughs> so we handed it to him yeah he was having trouble and the gm gave us a time limit and then the people who started to replay started to yell at me because i wasn't helping and i'm like i don't know i have a headache i'm not good at math puzzles i really don't know i've read it it's nonsense i don't know and they're like you have to help you can't just sit there and i'm like you didn't have to replay this (laughs) (laughs) Um, but that was a real situational thing it didn't have to do and i had i was playing a high that this was the part that reflects on mental ability scores i was playing a high-end character and the gm i'll wait for david to jump back on so i could say this i was playing a high-end character and the gm would not let me use my character's intelligence to try to help oh the gm uh, was saying no no you have to figure it out yourself and i was like this is bullshit tell me once you've figured it out um i was telling mike when you left um 
the people who were replaying were screaming at me because I mm. wouldn't help with the puzzle. Mm. And I was exhausted and had been running games all day. So it was, it was, so when this, that's why when you can't use your high mental ability scores in a puzzle and you're expected to figure out yourself, it frustrates me. Mm. Um, then there's the other kind of puzzle that really can only be figured out if you have a certain kind of character or a certain kind of player at the table. Mm. Well, uh, so this is what I was driving at. So, like, I, I had this GM who was great. I played with them for years. So it's five a game. And he's an old, older man who, just, like, just retired a couple years ago in Britain, right? So, like, an old computer IT guy. And his brain just works very differently from the rest of us. So, we would make up these puzzles and, like, it just wouldn't get, like, I got, one of the players was in, like, I think Norway, yeah. dude in Virginia, guy in California, me, and like it just never quite clicked because our brains just didn't get the references and start from the same premises that uh, the GM's brain did. Sometimes they did, and like those were fun. But a lot of times it was just like sitting uh, sitting there for like half an hour, like what the what the like what what are we supposed to get out of this man? Like what do you want us to infer from from what's going on and or interpret from what's going on? And what are you trying to infer? But yeah, it was a uh, it's it's hard to find like that general base that still uh, makes a puzzle com- appealing and compelling for everyone and still approachable for everyone yeah which I is, think is puzzles... what makes it especially hard for if for society play because yeah you have i think to... they're a horrible bad match for organized play but in a yeah. home game they're great because you can oh, design yeah. them for your player's strength and then it's or your character's strengths i mean mm-hmm. uh, one of the best one of the best experiences i've ever had with a puzzle was coincidental i happened to be playing a sorcerer that had perform um as one of their skills and it was a music puzzle and i as a player can also read music so um there were a number of notes and if you if you spelled out the letters of each note it gave the answer to the puzzle and i felt so good about that but it was only because that puzzle was accidentally made for me exactly so yeah puzzles are great in home games but they're not great in pre-published adventures i don't think unless they can be modified yeah (laughs) and it's it, it 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 would be really hard to write something that would be generally appealing to a general audience like that which is why they the only ones they really include in the society games are word puzzles that quite frankly aren't very hard <laughs> and it's also like so i like making i used to make puzzles with physical props and like so like you know you have to fold this in a certain way to figure out the, the yeah. answer or whatever but like there are people who can't do that right that still want to play like maybe you're just not very good with using your hands and don't have great manual dexterity or whatever um so like i've been shying away from that and it closes up a lot of the design space right if you can't like have somebody use their hands to to craft something or, mm. or whatever so yeah that's another reason you get stuck with just word puzzles because everybody can do a word puzzle pretty much if you're sitting there talking i um speaking of of puzzles that don't require a certain table skill challenges are a thing mm. and skill challenges can be really fun and cool especially when they're time-based so there's like a we don't call them skill challenges in level up they're called uh, exploration challenges and they're happening like while you're on a journey and like they give suggested solutions but the idea is that people should be coming up with their own yeah. and then we give you different skill checks so if it's a group skill check which is the one we prefer it's a lower dc and if it's like a individual skill check it goes higher David, what's your what's your favorite skill challenge experience? Um, there was uh, one of the scenarios started at a carnival. 
and there were a bunch of different games that they could play that all used different skills and they there was leeway for creative use of things to play and it was it was a lot of fun it was i know it was it was the start of one of the multi-table specials like the first 20 minutes was playing carnival game they got everybody in the muster room together with their character oh, sheets that's cool. and, and had tables set up with people for these carnival games and they were rolling and stuff and if you won you got items it was really really cool i did one multi-table special once that was um it was grand convocation it was the last time they did it and um it there was a foot race and it was fantastic oh wow. and they were they were announcing that it was a foot race so people who had characters mm-hmm. because the way the grand convocation work is you walked around the room and picked what you wanted to do yeah so people would bring characters that were good at foot races to play that game and then you could switch to a different character and go to a different table and do a different event that's awesome i wish they would do the grand convocation again it's just really hard to organize yeah um there were um there were a couple tables that were like traditional little dungeon delves there were tables that had events there were tables that had um games there were tables that had um riddles and puzzles so if you had a riddle or if you were a riddle or a puzzle player you could go do those it that's a really cool way to do those different kind of challenges mm. I forgot uh, all about the Grand Convocation. Grand Convocation was cool. So the uh, level up starter adventure, in addition to having like a journey and exploration challenges, also has festivals, which are amazing for yeah, using all your mental abilities. Course, you also nice. get opportunities to role play with your strength, dexterity, and constitution that you normally mm-hmm. don't get, like you know, pie eating contest or a drinking contest. Oh, I like or, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the the Pathfinder one. There was uh, axe throwing and mm-hmm. there was uh, archery range. I think we have a caber toss, which is mm-hmm. where they throw the big. Yeah, ball. yeah, yeah. yeah. That is a great event for de- for yeah uh, demonstrating that's all strength. zana broadway or uh she's still using the pen name savannah but like yeah zana broadway oh cool <laughs> yeah yeah she did some great stuff uh, she was fun to play with i, or I they, enjoyed they, playing they. the pool with her yeah they're great um the um I've been savannah in on projects for like eight years now seven years, six years the biggest mistake i've ever seen done in a game um we were playing a game that had a drinking <laughs> contest in it and the gm decided it would be really cool to do the game as an actual drinking contest oh my god they I made wrote, a drink okay so yeah go ahead go ahead they oh wrote rules for it that you got bonuses if you drank <laughs> Um, oh, that was. Oh the, God, that this was. I can see this going so wrong. Oh, so I, you may have heard this story before because this was the this was the convention where I almost got a fist fight with someone in a parking lot. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this yeah. is why. Okay. Yeah. I get this it now. was that event. Ah. And um, where I actually threatened to punch a guy's teeth out at the table, oh, and shit. I'm uh, not that guy, but I was really drunk and it uh, does affect judgment badly um no oh uh, oh god i've got a drug dd story too but finish fortunately that's an easy story to finish up it ended very well because there was another um there was another um person there um i'm not going to name them but i will say thank you so much because this was saved my 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 reputation because mm. it, it could have ended very badly um they i she ended the argument by saying let's just end this argument with a drinking contest whoever downs a beer first wins and i can down a beer very quick nice so i won and that other person was very happy with that outcome we 
parted yeah. ways as, as friendly acquaintances. A- a- amicably as you could, yes. We No, we parted ways as bitter enemies, and uh. <laughs> I ended up banning that person from Strategicon. Oh, successfully. I know. Okay, I know exactly who you're yeah. talking about now. It okay, was yeah. great. Holy crap. I'm. Mm, mm, I, mm, all right. Um, all right. Well, um, that, that was that, that was the same person who yeah. um, one of the most gentle souls on the planet threatened to kill him mm-hmm. because he messed with his wife, and it was mm-hmm. it was bad. <laughs> it was honestly it was honestly scary. Holy shit! I, I was there for that. I remember I was there when that happened. <laughs> I was in the room. <laughs> um. Oh man. Uh, I think I handled it pretty diplomatically because I ended up getting him to leave the. Con- by just making his life miserable by making him play at the table of a GM he didn't like. Yeah. I and he left. But yeah, that yeah. It I am yeah. I am so sorry, world, for threatening to punch a guy. Don't don't be. He deserved it. Anyways. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that that don't see don't I, do I used to I, I used to play with cons. that I used to play with that guy outside of society. I've I've known that I knew that guy for a couple of years before society. So yeah. <laughs> Anywho, um, there was one con where uh, there was a party before the game Saturday night where they had we had a sponsor that Absolute Vodka sponsored a party for uh, uh, for all the GMs. So I got so fucking drunk. I only made it through about a third of the adventure that fell asleep. So my buddy Grant came over and finished it for me. Yeah, uh, or maybe it was two thirds of the way through. Whatever. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't even remember that night. <laughs> I put together a uh, system agnostic uh, card drinking game that you could play with like any RPG for Storm Bunny Studios, and I play tested it a couple times, and I'm pretty sure Jay Sonya play tested it a couple times, and I don't think it's ever going to see the light of day because yeah, you get way too drunk. Mm-hmm. I kept trying to dial it back, and like it's just, it's just yeah, it's a problem yeah. with those drinking games. They <clears throat> stop being games after a while because you're just drunk <laughs> exactly yeah. my my favorite drinking game at a con was um clinton boomers hole behind midnight drinking game that sounds uh, anything with clinton is amazing yeah so what you do is everybody gets a copy of hole behind midnight and you have to randomly open to a page and if the page has the word fuck on it you have to drink oh my oh, god so you drink most of the time yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my god it's a great book by the way i have a copy of it i enjoyed it immensely i strongly recommend it but yes the word fuck appears many many times it, it's great it's the <laughs> i i i mean we don't have any content filters on this podcast so i can talk about this but i will say trigger warning for anybody who's triggered by very offensive content there is amputee fisting porn in that book oh yes. fuck <laughs> oh jesus yeah, Look, i'm not kink shaving anybody but <laughs> no <laughs> Hey, um, you do you do you, but oof, but I no thank you. To say, I fully recommend Hole Behind Midnight, especially if you're a Dresden Files fan. Uh, I, I just feel like good books, man. Hole Behind Midnight, and I I've talked to Clinton about this. Hole Behind Midnight is the only book that has ever inspired me to write fan fiction oh because I I wrote some short stories about um, crossing over Dresden Files and Hole Behind Midnight because I thought both worlds are just really really cool. <laughs> Let's see. Right. 
It wasn't as like graphically unenjoyable as uh, San Perdido Station, just a much more popular book by China Mieville. Uh, and it, it like I don't um it's it's been out for like over ten years, so I don't feel bad at spoiling this. The first chapter is like literally sex with an alien bug lady, and uh, my friend had been recommending it for a long time. This GM guy, the, the one from high school, and I got it and I started reading it and I texted him. And I was like, "Hey man, is this is this book just bug sex?" And he was like, "No, it's only the first chapter. Just get through it. It's worth it." And it was worth it. But- but, but like whole right. behind midnight was more worth it and less disturbing and, and yeah, I have to, I, I have to say whole behind midnight while I just shared with you something very disturbing that disturbing part of the book was like just a side mention that just made me laugh it's yeah. not like they graphically okay. describe it it's just okay. like okay. okay yeah there was a TV playing in the background that had it on it and he oh, mentioned sweet it sweet Christ alright that's not a lot of, lot of fuck. It's, it's good read the book I'll have to, I'll have to check this out but yeah. one of the things I will tell you about it is that particular scene, that's included for a reason and it works for the story. It's not just there to shock you. And I like that about his writing. He wrote some good Pathfinder short stories too. Oh, I'm sure. Everything Clinton does is amazing. Yeah. He, like he, and- I always try to get him for stuff and I rarely can because he's so busy and keeps popping out babies or making his wife keep, off, keep popping out babies. He's <laughs> <laughs> not doing say- the work. Yeah. Um I one of my one of the great joys of my life was telling Clinton about my um my descriptions cuz I wrote tons of backstory for Nadal um the um the dark lawful evil um kingdom and pathfinder and I sat down with Clinton and described everything I wrote and he was like I fully approve. It's great. And that <laughs> made me so happy that he yeah. he approved of what I came up with for the thing he created. Um it, it we've only had him on once. We had him on in that episode you were on. But like yep. yeah, yeah, exactly like you said. He's hard to he's hard to peg down and we'll we'll have to try again at some point. Yeah. He's he still he the first thing for D and D PSAs. Yeah, look up D and D PSAs if you want to know more about Clinton Boomer and see him when he was a uh, child. Clinton's amazing. Oh um, yeah. Follow uh, follow him on Twitter. It's worth it. Yeah. I, Clinton, when I Clinton think Boomer is who we're talking PSAs, about. Clinton I think Boomer. of um Sorcerer. <laughs> Yeah. Wearing the belt outfit. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of funny, embarrassing things in those. Oh, man. Uh, so, um... I mean, we, we spent this entire time and not talking about bards and charisma, so... Well, one of the best things about this episode is we didn't do the question round robin at all. I know. We didn't have to. Yeah. I I think it's because we all like the idea of mental ability scores. You know, we have some time. Let's talk about... I, I thought it was my killer transitions, but okay. That too. Yeah. No, yeah, he was nailed. I mean, someone knows how to do a segue. <laughs> okay. Bards and charisma. I've never bards, been on a segue. Bards yeah. specifically. Bards and charisma. Speaking of segues, the creator of Segway died on a Segway. Also, Bards and Charisma. That's crazy. I didn't know that. Did he have a heart attack? No, he like fell down a hill and died horribly. It was really because they didn't get hit by a truck. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That's crazy. Um Shit. <laughs> I'm just gonna be thinking about that all fucking day. Now. I know, man. Yeah. Damn. Uh, uh, hor- horny bards. Yes. Did the guy so, who invented the car die in a car crash? Uh, there was one point where the only two registered vehicles in all of Alabama got involved in the first car wreck. That sounds appropriate. Um, how do you have bards and have music in your game and have it work? You do not have the bards sing at the table. I want to repeat this so everyone hears me and the people on Patreon see me. You do not not have the bard <laughs> actually sing at the table where players are sitting playing the game. You do not do that. There are rare circumstances where it works. He's incorrect. 
You did not do that. <laughs> okay, why are you so against this? I had a guy who I could not get to stop doing it, and I had to play with him for like, oh, God, a year yeah. or something. He was a deadhead who was uh, bad at singing and making up songs. Oh, okay. It was See, the most horrible The thing. problem I have is anyone who plays a bard in a lot of the games I play refuse or won't, and it's like, dude, you're playing a bard. Come on, be animated. It's like, no, oh, I sing my song. It's much little just pull out of their phone. You got a phone? You got no, a that's what I used to do with um, like fucking one, just play the music. There you one go. Of, one of my uh, one of my society characters was part of an ensemble team. Uh we were doing uh, the Steven Universe characters. I was playing Greg Universe. I was a bard. So uh my uh, my my thing was whatever uh whenever I would play uh, my inspire inspire courage, uh I would whip out my phone to YouTube and play a play a track in the background. There you go. That's that's the way to do it. Yes. Yeah. And uh actually Owen and LJ Stevens had a great thing for this where every character would have their own like particular song mm. and then they would put on a playlist for like the game session and every once in a while your song would come on and if your song was on you gained a bonus. Ooh, interesting. Yes, that's that's that. Ooh, that's kind of neat. I know. Put that bitch on random and see what it plays. Mm-hmm. Nice. That's how they did it. And I was, I was like, damn, I think that was. A, it might have been that's, an LG idea. Ne- that is yeah. neat. I like that. Oh wow, I might have to incorporate that somehow. That's yeah. great. Did Did you ever? I don't remember who played him, David. But did you ever play with the dude at Strategicon who played the saxophone player from the Lost Boys? Yes. Did he actually play the saxophone? No, but his oh. character did. Yeah, but he say. had the he had a miniature made of the dude yeah. from the Lost Boys, Boys. with the no with shirt, a, with the ripped with, abs with a saxophone. And the saxophone. <laughs> nice. It was great. Yeah, I played one game with him. I don't remember. Oh, it was a long time ago. That was funny. He played the. He played every time he did bardic performance. He played the YouTube clip of the saxophone player from the Lost Boys. <laughs> I'm wondering, like, if there's an instrument where I'd be like, you know what? Yeah, fine. Play it at the table when your bard's doing it. <sighs> Maybe acoustic guitar. Like, I love harmonicas, but not everyone does. So harmonicas mm. out, right? Castanets, I, maybe? Had, like, I, I did have a guy whip out a jaw harp at the table and thought it was pretty fun, but mm. it gets old quick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, if you're a really good musician and you really, like, know how to play, maybe the acoustic guitar. I think somebody could just softly pluck away at a guitar or, yeah. like, uh, or like, yeah. a le- like a lyre or something like that. Yeah, yeah or like I, a harp. Harp would yeah. be fine. Yeah. I mean, what, what, what I would do is when I'd play it, I would play, like, the opening 40 seconds where it's the opening guitar riff from uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers song uh go go power rangers go, go, uh that, that opening guitar riff is insane and it's like the first 40 seconds and i'd cut it off it's like i'm still playing the song <laughs> look up uh burning heat i will it's do that song you will like it's from i found it when i was uh, long ago when i played ddr it's a really good one uh it's I, on my like running mix i can i i now know that you played ddr that makes me happy i brought ddr to pittsburgh Ooh. i went around with petitions and convinced people to get machines i got the the first machine was the north park clubhouse no, lounge no. when i worked there working on the games because i convinced them to get it and then other places got it yeah i was really good at ddr i was uh, not top field but i was like i could get third place and i used to do ddr for cardio yeah it's really good cardio oh yeah you you Destroy weren't those one of those fucking... you weren't one of those people that like would like hold on to the back bar and do a flip or anything like that no no, no. i'm much too slow for that yeah uh, i had a one of my college buddies uh anton from uh anime club at cal state long beach would do that he'd actually get up there and fucking dance 
Yeah, no, I couldn't dance. I, I could do, I think, uh, eight, a couple eight and nine songs. But other than mm, that, yeah. Also really into Soul Calibur, I think it was three. The mm. one with the campaign mode. Yeah, for the I'm, arcade. Really, I'm really liking Burning Heat. No, thank you for turning me on to that. I know, that's what I was telling you. I'm, go- I'm going to be using that in the future. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Okay, so we know not to have the bard sing at the table. The player of the bard <laughs> sing at the table. Yeah. Um, do bards only use charisma? Generally, yes. Predominantly. Predominantly. It's their uh, main stat as far as their spellcasting is concerned. They're also kind of like the no stuff class, right? Yeah. Well, um, that's the thing is because of their class, they get a they get their charisma bonus, their level bonus to their knowledge skills. And uh, every knowledge skill is proficient. Did they when when which game system is that? Uh Pathfinder. Uh Bardic Knowledge. You get I believe it's half your class level added to skill check. Right, right, but you still use your charisma for it or your yeah. intelligence for the check, not right. Like, use your intelligence yeah. for the check, but you also every knowledge check is trained. Right, right, right. So you get your class bonus. Right, right. Yeah. But like and in like five E, a lot of them are still in skills, but you get like yeah. half your proficiency bonus or something on something them. like that. Yeah. Um, but like there, there, there is little incentive for them to have intelligence, but it's useful if it's there because yeah, they get other bonuses for knowing. Shit. Yeah, and wisdom is essentially just will, will saves. Yeah, yeah, wisdom gets tossed inside. Yeah, I I think that the the big benefit of playing a bard is support. Oh yeah, <laughs> as my favorite player of all time, who I will name, um, John and A, um, mm-hmm. playing a bard would shout you're welcome as he dropped a little tent on the table with the bardic performance bonuses <laughs> i have had so much joy at games watching him just scream you're welcome every time he does bardic performance yes yes watching john get to actually play is amazing never played anything with him that he didn't play a bard yeah i think he had seven of them in pathfinder second edition it's like me and Paladin. first edition yeah my my every time i play a new game system the first character i ever make is always a paladin oh no it's my favorite thing to play speaking i'm actually a sorcerer guy what is the most important stat for a paladin? Uh, strength, then charisma, then uh, constitution. Yeah, it depends. Then on what wisdom, you're then yeah. intelligence, then dexterity. Dexterity is always my dub stat usually when I'm a paladin because you're more relying on your armor and your faith to save you than you are your quick feet. In Pathfinder First Edition, can you dump charisma as a paladin? I you can, but there's you not can, but it doesn't. You don't really get any benefits. A, you're to, playing a fighter with bad abilities. And I did the dumb thing. The first character I ever made in Pathfinder, I played my very first game at your table brian was my dwarven paladin of torog eric who later on became eric the half beard because half his beard burned off and never grew back i fully remember the sensation of thought of who plays a dwarven paladin yeah i truly remember that yeah and it was the dumbest thing i've ever done because <laughs> it was great because it worked out but yeah it was yeah i'm gonna play a paladin and i'm gonna get a minus two a racial minus two to charisma all right let's do this in in Pathfinder First Edition, dwarven clerics worked because they got a bonus to wisdom. They couldn't yeah. channel as much unless they really worked hard on making up for it. Yeah. Well, generally, uh, Pathfinder, once you hit like level four or five, you have at least minor magical items that'll give you at least a plus two bonus to something. So you could generally make up for that racial uh, that racial negative once you hit level three or four. My last three five character was a dwarven cleric, actually. Mm. Yeah. And oh, like, dwarven clerics are great. Channel in three five was much more powerful because there's a feat you could get to um meta magic your spells by spending channels and then you could mm. just get feats for extra channels so it's like hey i'm invisible it's like second level forever <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah <clears throat> so bards dumps that wisdom yep paladins yeah. 
Yeah, it's easier I, to get away I, with I, low I charisma in five E, but there's it's just there's the, the incentive for the paladin to have a high charisma is just is just too great. Pretty much the matter system. I'm thinking it uh, your the your charisma modifier matters for your bonuses for smite for smiting in in Pathfinder. Yeah, in, in Pathfinder. Yeah, five E. So. It's just spells, but then you're you get the aura thingy where everybody anywhere near to gets fucking your charisma to everything. Yeah, um, that's 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 awesome. We yeah, talked but, about uh, we talked about riddles and puzzles earlier. Um, I want to bring up the other thorn in my side that involves um mental ability scores is mm. investigations mm. i have really struggled with investigations because i think investigations lean too hard on the players and not on the ability scores of the characters so here's here's the problem with investigations <clears throat> it's that the in like i don't know about pathfinder 2e i know in pathfinder 1e and 3.5 and 5e there just wasn't a ton of support for like social and exploration stuff it's like here's your combat stuff here's your combat stuff also here's the skills you get a lot of skills you get slightly less you guys get and eh, you get almost no skills and the skills are what you're going to do for everything that basically is in combat except for a couple of them that are combat and um yeah there just aren't enough features that work on the exploration and social pillars of the game they're almost predominantly all focused on the combat pillar of the game so like you're going to keep running into that in probably Pathfinder. Pathfinder 1e at this point there's so many books and rules you can access mm-hmm. i don't know if it's still a problem i know five years ago it, it was still underserved the exploration and social pillars um but yeah From uh, someone who knows all the systems um pathfinder 1e had the investigator class that wasn't very good at investigation no um pathfinder 2e has the investigator class that's too good well, at investigation Path- pathfinder 1e the the investigator class was literally just a a um a mix of a rogue and a cleric yeah shout out to um no nat ones <laughs> no nat ones does some episodes on the pathfinder 2e investigator yes um, where he he really complains hard that they um they gave the investigators some abilities that are so meta that break investigation i think they're useful um if the game is built around that kind of thing but what what they gave they gave the investigator the option to pick two feats one is that's odd where they automatically notice something odd in the room and it actually has it written into the rule that if there's something obviously odd in the room, they notice the subtle odd thing. So if there's a big blood stain in the middle of the room, they don't immediately notice that. They notice the other odd thing. They notice the red lamp in the corner. So there's no there's no skill checks. There's no role play. They just notice the odd thing. Then their other ability is red herring, where if the players start going down a rabbit hole, the character automatically notices that that doesn't help what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Which Nonat's big problem with that is some of the most fun ga- games he's ever participated in are, are when ones you go where down the those rabbit holes. Chase red herrings because the GM can use those red herrings and do really cool things. Uh, I think you can have both. I think you can use those rules and still do the things. It, it's just, you know, different styles of play. I think in Pathfinder 1E, you could have an investigation with most parties. There were certain parties that made investigations very frustrating. If you had a mostly martial party and organized play, it you was have a good crap You works. never knew what you're going to get. Yeah. Home game, don't, you know, choose your game with, with what your players are playing. Um, there are, uh, in the home game, there are ways 
ways you can tailor stuff towards your party too where society play you really have just to set up for and hope for the best knowing hopefully the party makeup is decent i think in organized play pathfinder 2e is better for an investigation because you're going to have more of that more often and they've built it into some of mm. the path they, they've built into some of the organized play rules they give people bonus abilities um the i think you need a very specific party um you need a bard bard who has their universal lore ability makes investigations easy plus they can do diplo mm -hmm. um and you need an investigator because it's it's the two e class is too good at investigation where the one e one wasn't good at investigation even though that was the point of the class. I mean, they is, could is be. It, you just had to devote like all your feats to it too. Yeah. Did they put any support for investigation into other Pathfinder two e classes or? Um. Yeah. the The whole lore system is really based around it, and there's lots of um skill feats that work with um the different the different skills to be more towards investigation, especially survival and um the different lore skills um also yeah, bar bards could be of, bards could be really good at investigating too because there's the, lots the of, of skill feats that give you the ability to um use other skills to do gather information mm. okay like there's there's one that lets you use society for gather information instead of diplomacy so you can do intelligence for gather information um there's another one that if um you're a former member of a cult so you can use lore underworld to gather information on cults so it's it gives you that ability to do specific i tend to think of pathfinder 2e as since the skill feats are so easy to design you can make custom ones for your players really easy yeah so see that was one thing about first of uh, pathfinder first edition anytime there was some sort of skill challenge a lot of times uh it was asking for a specific profession for something it was a complete crapshoot if anyone had even heard of the profession they were looking for and i think that's going to happen a lot with 2e2 where they're going to ask for very specific lore skills and it's like i remember in 1e there were times that asked for profession skills that aren't even listed in the examples yeah like profession potter mm -hmm. came up one time um but you know that's the problem with organized play i mean i've read i ran into one game where if there was someone in the party who could cast speak with plants you succeeded at the adventure mm -hmm. if there was somebody who didn't you couldn't now the adventure did have a scroll of speak with plants but if there was no one in the group that could cast it you failed that adventure yeah pretty much that's you know i mean i could call that poor writing or i could just you know there was a rule in the guidebook that said if nobody could do it come up have someone have an npc show up but not every gm notices that rule mm, yeah it's that's the other thing about organized play as a, as a player is you don't know what kind of gm you're going to get unless you specifically know who who's going to be you know you specifically sign up for a certain gm it it can also be a crapshoot <laughs> I, I do have and a story, but I'm not going to tell it on the air. Different, <laughs> different GMs have different play styles, and some players might not mesh well with a certain GM's play style. You know, different funds are different ones. Some people are more combat-oriented and more tactical about things. Other are much more freeform, or rather theater-of-the-mind stuff. Did it talk on uh, the class design stuff a little bit? Uh, there's not as much like swapping of things in level up, but like in the class design, we staged out like exploration and social features with combat stuff. So like hmm. Berserker gets a whole lot of combat features and then like some uh, exploration features and a couple social features. Wizard gets a whole lot of combat, well, magic features. And then like a couple of social and then like the fewest of all the exploration features. Cause like, you know, wizards, you would imagine do the, fewest, the littlest amount of exploring. Right. So like um, 
But it was like very revealing as I was watching everybody go through their class designs and get the Marshall ready and stuff. I was like, these other people just did not include this kind of like support for it's like like it was uh, like there was ample room in mm-hmm. the 20 levels to put in features for for social and, and exploration stuff like and, and it's not always like, oh, use your aunt, use your wisdom, or use your charisma. Like some of them are just like uh well, my favorite was the Berserker, which is Dana Broadway again, mm-hmm. Savannah. And it's just like you are by by this level, people see you and like are afraid of you. So if you just like walk into a tavern, yell whoever it is you're looking for or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and like everybody will just look to that person or the person that can lead you to that person that they that they think. Right. Yeah. Just the nonverbal of oh god, don't hurt me. <laughs> exactly. Right. So then you feel like a badass. You learn. No, that's great. Yeah. They uh, like they they have some the they berserker. have some really they have some really great ideas. <laughs> fighter gets something like that um and yeah yeah it was just a, a really uh eye-opening experience as i looked under the hooded stuff i was like shit where That's was all this really- for the 5e fighter like the 5e fighter is literally just like you roll around and hit stuff like yeah you could you could have done something for them i mean 5e fighters kind of a, a little on the versatile side because you can do range combat just as easily as you can do uh melee it depends on what, it, what feats you take if you take certain feats. yeah and yeah you pick up battle master and yeah like lots of options in fighting yeah yeah Although I feel like uh, I don't know at this point the uh, you know, like how many combat maneuvers are in that book? It's like 120 yeah. or something. Yeah. So like yeah, Battle Master can take a seat. Like <laughs> yeah. So um, that is it for our topic, um, Mike. Um, we spent most of that time talking about mental stats. We did a good job. We did, we, we did a we, good we, job. We we covered everything. <laughs> I mean, yeah. we didn't go into depth into wisdom, but I mean. Ha- we did kind of. We touched. Was it. that wise? <laughs> <laughs> ah. um, um, Mike, um, where do people find you? Um, what are you working on? What's the next thing with Level Up? Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so you can find me at Mike Myler too, or MikeMyler.com on uh, Patreon.com/slash Mike Myler. Uh, and I do a column on Ian World, and I edit Ian Sider, IanSider.com with a five instead of an S. Um, Level Up is the big thing. It's launching in less than a month now. It'll be launching on um, uh, Tuesday, October 5th. Um, doing, at this point, line edits. Uh, and I have like a, a couple of days before we have to put in the files for the proof. So that's exciting, going oh, through every I, single line of the book. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy uh, workload to, to, to chat with us. Yeah, no, I, like, I'm, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah you no. can go back to Wrath of the Righteous after we're done. <laughs> I might for like 20 minutes because my wife is angrily waiting for me to make food for her. The toughest part of the line edits are behind me at this point. So now it's it's mostly uh, just like looking for big egregious stuff, which unfortunately there are very few things because I'm a very um, thorough, very thorough editor. But um, yeah, it's coming together great. Uh, Waiting on the starter adventure to show up, which is uh, very cool. Uh, Written by Zena Broadway, Andrew Engelbright, and Yes, oh, I forget her pen name. Sen HHS, I think is, is her pen name. Um, and um, I don't know. It's, it's exciting to see it all come together because we've been working on this since <sighs> almost the better the better part of two years now, actually. Um, and the Kickstarter page is last time I looked was over forty five hundred people uh, are following it, and it hasn't even launched, which is uh, terrifying. It's uh, going to be the first five E pro- pro- product I ever purchased. That's not even a Watsy project. Nice, <laughs> you'll love it, man. It's it's and uh, there will be robust online support. Uh, the monster book is great. I think people are going to get that even if they don't want to switch over level up and just keep playing in five E because it is backwards compatible with five E. Um, 
yeah, I'm just excited to get that get get it out the door and see how much people like it and um, get back to my own projects that have been languishing as I focus all my time on this. <laughs> because uh, yeah, there's stuff I got to finish. Like I, I people are waiting on epic books and um, yeah. And then you have to convert everything you've ever done into level up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I, I I have some thoughts on what what we'll do for what. I I kind of have an idea of what the bigger plan is later on down the line. So uh, uh, there's some strategy to the picking of what what'll be first. I don't know, but I think Mr. Cool will probably stay in five E. Um, we'll see. And that's that's mostly just because at this point I have the twelfth adventure book or no thirteenth adventure, fourteenth adventure book, fourteenth adventure book. Uh, I have to edit it and lay it out and stuff. Um, and I don't want to convert all that. <laughs> like, that's a lot. So I'll probably pick something smaller. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Well, cool. Um, this has been Nerd Podcast Radio. I've been Super Vegan Brian. I was joined by di- di- uh, Mike Myler. Yeah. And um, I was here hosting alongside David Theobald III. Bye, everybody. Thank you, Mike. Yeah. Stay nerdy, stay informed, and stay awesome. Fuck you, Brian.